Hello, it is 6.30 a.m. in New York, 12.30 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 5.30 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to a very unique episode of Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. I promised you something dramatically different. In episode 226, The Space Women Crave, I dared to share what I believe. Among other things, I believe that each woman has wisdom inside of her that is hard-earned, wisdom and experience that is underestimated at best, undervalued at worst. I believe that this wisdom may be buried under layers of shame, humility, or self-doubt, and thus has not yet seen the light of day, nor reached the capacity to fully touch other women's lives. I believe that each woman has hard-earned life experience, and if shared, the resulting wisdom from this collected insight could benefit another woman to overcome similar challenges. I shared with you how deeply I want to live in a world where women are in relationship across generations and nurture those connections to gain fresh perspective and learn from the other's hard-earned experience, a safe place where we all have the courage to ask questions that are on our hearts and minds, but do not feel like we have permission to ask so this episode continues to be driven by that question. What do we discover when we get women across generations together and we have open and deeply honest conversations? Today is the first step in discovering that together. In this very special series I am joined by C. Renee Washington. Renee is a master certified life coach, speaker, author, and Renaissance woman. Her zone of genius is coaching women through successfully navigating major life transitions by breaking down mental blocks, keeping them from achieving their goals and dreams. Yet today, she joins me as Renee. She's accepted my invitation to speak unfiltered, openly and vulnerably woman to woman about her own journey. In less than 40 minutes, I walked away feeling like I had just downloaded decades of wisdom because it's exactly what happened. And now you get to listen in. All right, Renee, the first question I have to ask you is, your signature on your email basically punched me in the face one day <laughs> when we were organizing another event, I read your signature. It says you cannot fix what you cannot face. Yes. Celebrate or create the life you want to celebrate. Do you mind telling me a little bit about the background to that signature? Yes, because it punched me in the face. <laughs> so I saw it not exactly worded that way but the you know and I worded it that way because 
it is just a succinct reminder is that uh, until we confront ourselves, because you know that's the work that I do is you know going in that inner lens, and it, and it's a reminder to myself and to anyone who happens to come across my work that it's it's really like a a wake up call. It's the cliche, but it's true. It's a wake mm-hmm. up call, call because, as you know, we work with people who are being nudged to make change, mm-hmm. and you know when something is really sticking you and and continues to bubble up and you just continue trying to suppress it it's not going to leave you alone until you deal with it right Right. and so that's a that's a message to me every day too in addition to yes i've had clients say "Ooh, this is why i'm calling this is why i'm calling you this is why i'm reaching out Mm -hmm. to you this is why i'm responding because it's time it's time it's time and it it won't go away Right. Unfortunately, I've tried. I know, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm the queen of avoidance. I was like, denial is a wonderful thing. Yes, it is. (laughs) So now when, you know, you were so kind to offer your time today because of this inner passion that I have to explore what happens when we actually open up conversations, true from the heart conversations, right? about our lives and what's hard. And when I saw some of the things that you shared, I I thought I have got to talk to you because here's what I'm seeing from the outside. And you tell me um, if it's different from what really happened. But what I read from what you shared was life was going along splendidly until 45. You had a mild to severe stroke. Yes. Probably an aha moment you left your marriage, lost your mother, left corporate, and then started your own business. Like what? (laughs) So can we back up there? Like, can you lead me to that moment where you were confronted with your health in a way that you probably had never expected? And what did that unleash in you? Yes. You know, I had lived a really great non-dramatic life. Um, I am the oldest of two siblings. I was raised in a military family. My parents were middle class, both worked, had um, good long careers, and life was good. I I got married when I was 25, and uh, right after that, got the job that became my corporate career and you know my motto was we're not here for a long time just a good time and that's you know and that's just kind of how i rolled like mm-hmm. life is wonderful and i was actually i felt a little i guess i felt some level of guilt about that because i had friends who were going through really major um traumatic kind of things and and i was someone who always felt like that i if I, if something was bothering me I'm like but compared to what I know other yeah. people are going through, I don't have anything to complain about. And that's just, okay. you know, how it was. And my marriage was, I was married for 21 years and for probably um, 17, 18 of those years, it was really good. I mean, he was a good guy. You know, we had a um, good marriage. What um, <laughs> I was... I, you know, I have a, a, a controlling domineering personality that I, <laughs> where I 
that I that I continue to work on. And um, but he was fine with that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that we had a dynamic where I led everything and that was cool with him. Yeah. So we just I call that a strong leadership style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And then mm-hmm. mid um early to mid 40s, I started feeling, you know, some dissatisfaction, some things. And I, you know, there was a book um, about menopause that I read. And and the big thing that I got out of it was that, you know, when we hit menopause, as women, yes, we tend to be the tenders, befrienders, nurturers, cares. We know that. And because of that, we are so busy taking care of everything else, Mm -hmm. other people, that we suppress a lot of things that are going on with us. Yeah. And when we hit that stage of, uh, hormonal acknowledgement where mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, what has been suppressed must be addressed. Mm. And that so resonated with me. And, and she talked about how relationships have to be renegotiated. All mm-hmm. relationships with your, if you have children, if you have a partner, friends, uh, because you are metamorphosing into a different iteration of yourself. And you are going to show up differently. And I started feeling like I just wanted to disappear. I didn't, you know, I was, I didn't like my job anymore. I my, was, my marriage was frustrating. And I just kept thinking that I was just going to get past it. It was a phase. I was going to get past it. Mm-hmm. It would go away because why wouldn't it? My sister ended up marrying my husband's brother. Oh man. So yeah. And, and my sister had the two children. I don't mm-hmm. have children. So mm-hmm. our family was, our, those two Tight. families, yes, deeply entwined. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Okay. So I need to pause there because one, when you get married, it's till death do you death part. Do, and I'm doing exactly. air quotes, right? So there's, uh, by the way, when you get married at 25, your prefrontal <laughs> cortex isn't even fully developed by that time, right? <laughs> Listen, I, you know, I always told myself, don't even think about getting married until you're 30. That's what I said. Yeah. And yeah. funny story, you know why I got married? Why? Because, <laughs> because the guy I married lost his job and had to go back and live with his parents. And that just became frustrating on so many levels, including our relationship. So I said, just move in with me. Mm-hmm. But because I'm a Christian, yeah, I, I was a good girl. Right. You know, I can't we can't live in sin. So mm-hmm. we have to get married. So we got married a year after he moved in because we were living in sin. Right. So you're listening to how you grew up, right? <laughs> Following yes. the religious advice. <laughs> yes. And then, okay, but I had, here's the thing. So you wake up one day and you're like, actually, I've been suppressing this. I'm not as happy as I wanted to. That must be terrifying. Oh, it was. Because it I'm was. guessing it wasn't an abusive relationship. No, it wasn't something that you'd escape. Exactly. That was the thing. I didn't have the socially accepted excuse. Right. So, oh, oh wow. So how did that feel? Like, did you feel alone? Who did you reach, reach out to for support here? Oh, yeah. I felt so alone. I, w- I was ashamed and I didn't want to tell anybody. And so there was a year that I probably slept. 10 hours during the whole year. And I'm exaggerating somewhat, but I really, yeah. I, I, I just was so miserable and, and I just couldn't, it just didn't make sense to me. And I, you right. know, I was mad at God. I was praying and praying and saying, you know, 
you know, I don't want this to be happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Make me back to be the person I was before. Right. And so that's how, you know, I ended up in the hospital. One day I woke up and I felt a little weird. Um, long story short, uh, I, um, my husband had already gone. I was at home by myself and I got in the car, drove to work and I was, I called a girlfriend and tried to leave her a message to tell her something. And my words came out garbled. Oh, terrifying. I, yeah. I, and I, you know, I was just like, but you know, I wasn't terrified in the moment. I was just like, hmm, that's weird. I said, I'm going to hang up and call you back. And I called her back, still couldn't get the words out. Then, then still, I'm clueless. I get to work. It's early. There was only one other person in my department and, and our offices were right next to each other. And I was trying to talk to him through the, the um, separation and I couldn't get, get it out. And so I said, let me just come around there. And I went around and walked in his office and <laughs> tried to say something. And then it hit me, something is really wrong. And I just burst out in tears. And my, I was not in the main building. I was down the hill from the main building. I get in my car and go drive up to the nurse's office to the main, in the main building. And when I got there, when I got there, by the time I got to the nurse's office and they checked me out, I was feeling fine. And she came in and said, you are in the midst of having a major stroke. Wow. The ambulance has been called. You're going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I felt perfectly fine. Then I didn't believe her. Even the ambulance driver was like, cause this was <laughs> on a Monday. He was like, you just had a party too hard this weekend. And you just want to, you know, you just want some time off, which when I think about that, that wasn't really funny, but, <laughs> but I didn't look like, I didn't look right. like anything was wrong with me. And right. when I got, got to the hospital, the neurologist said, yes, you're in the midst of having a stroke wow. and admitted me for five days. When I was laying on that gurney Sunday, I, I, I just, I said to myself, you have to um, leave your marriage because Jesus. there, there were, there were no triggers, physical triggers for me to have being in having a stroke. I wasn't right. overweight. I didn't have diabetes, yep. high blood pressure. I had none of the triggers. So I only attributed to stress, what I right. you know, what I wasn't dealing with, what I was avoiding. Right. Yes. Suppression. And I have yes. chills up my arms right now. You were suppressing it because it's such an uncomfortable truth. So what do you do with that? What do you what do you do with that when there's no, in a culture that says you have to make it work and you made this promise and you've got your Christian religion, which says you shouldn't leave the marriage. What did you do next? Yeah. So probably a month before that, um, before the stroke, I had gone to the gynecologist for my checkup and I told her that I was struggling Mm -hmm. and she checked me out and told me, Oh, you're in full blown menopause. And I was 45. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? So when I had the, the TIA, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm a fixer. So I was like, okay, I think, you know, I, I really felt like I, I need to leave my marriage, but I need to be sure that I've given it every opportunity mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. um, be repaired and you know maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm just in menopausal haze i still couldn't just you know and i you know i i started sharing with um a couple of close girlfriends my mom was still living then and so i just kind of said to her one day you know it would just be too much trouble for me to get divorced and she 
said, that's right. It just would be too much trouble. Now, my mom was somebody who was married for over 50 years. And, you know, she, my dad was not an easy person to live with. Great provider and all of that. Great father. And, you know, I know that she was someone who at a certain point in her marriage had considered leaving, but made the calculation. Uh, One, financially, it wasn't feasible. Mm -hmm. And two, she had two daughters and she just made the calculation. I should stay. Mm -hmm. When I said that to my mother, I knew she was speaking from her experience of, I stay, you can stay. Who are you to leave? You know, you know, who said life was supposed to be happy kind of, you know, that thing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's the, that generational difference, you know, and I, you know, and I, and I knew that she was talking from her experience and wasn't stepping into my shoes. Mm -hmm. So and my, my mother and I were so close. My mother was my person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even in my marriage, my mother was still my person. Mm-hmm. And so that I did feel alone. Uh, and, you know, not in a way, but because, but because I understood her where she was coming from, I wasn't mad about that. I just knew, okay, this was something that I'm going to have to walk by myself. So I then, it then became me and God, you know, there's that thing, you know, God, God doesn't sanction divorce and all of that stuff. I would hear this from my um, church friends and all of that. And, you know, I just was like, okay, I am just going to just move through this one step at a time. I'm going to stay in um, prayer and connection. And if I make a step that uh, isn't, isn't the right path, I'm going to trust that, that I will be guided to take mm. another, go in another direction. And that's just mm. pretty much how I moved through it. And, and so that I had the, the mini stroke in September of 2005. And I ended up divorced in July of 2006. I left in February of that year. And then we were divorced by July. And it was, it was, you know, it was really painful um, because again, he was a good person. We just, I had changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, that thing, you know, you know, that thing, oh, I've changed, but you know, it's true. And I, and I was, I didn't understand and when I say changed, I probably came into myself, you know, I, I mm-hmm. and I realized that the weight of the relationship that I had carried and that that mm-hmm. dynamic that had been working for us, I just couldn't carry it anymore. Couldn't carry more. And that's yeah, the thing about 40, right? Like, yeah, I. <laughs> I would say 40 also begins with F. <laughs> yes, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> So when in that moment, because you have zero cultural permission, you have zero religious permission, you don't even have permission from your own mother, right? Yeah. And you must have felt so alone. Who do you wish you could have talked to at that time? Yeah, I, you know, I, I do wish that I could have talked to my mom. Thankfully, I, I have some, some tremendously wonderful girlfriends and two of them walked me through that journey. Um, one of them, I would just go over to her house 
and she would have a box of uh, Nabisco saltines. They had to be Nabisco. Uh, Nabisco <laughs> saltines weighty. I mean, I ate my weight in saltines during that whole <laughs> You need salt to ground yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And that crunch. I just need, yeah. you know. <laughs> it was such a, such a stress reliever. And uh, yeah, so I had a couple of girlfriends that were really in. And, you know, surprisingly, my dad and I, uh, I love my, I loved my dad. He's, he's deceased now, too. Um, and uh, he was, but he was a tough, tough person. And so we, we, we were kind of, you know, we had our little, because I have a lot of him in me. And I just would always say, but thankfully it was tempered by my mother's goodness and sweetness. So, uh, so, but he could be hard and surprisingly, he was not surprised about Mm. me getting divorced. I was so shocked. And he Mm. told my mother, haven't you seen that she hasn't been happy for a long time? I couldn't Mm. believe that he had been that intuitive about it. Mm. And so I didn't, well, I didn't talk to him a lot about it knowing that at least somebody you know one parent got it right that was yeah that was um that was supportive too and the thing with my mom what I say about my divorce is that that's when I broke the umbilical cord Mm. you know that's when I really that cord was really and I had to that's when I knew I'm a grown-ass woman now right right you know (laughs) so because we're taught to be good girls yes Right. And to follow the rules. Yes. Don't focus on what you want. Right. 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 And sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Think about the greater good for everybody else. (laughs) Honestly. And anything else is selfish. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So how did you break those chains? Yeah. Um, by, by doing what was best for me. Mm-hmm. by really going in. And that's why I'm such a believer, you know, uh, uh, on doing that inner work. It never, we never can stop doing it. it. It's hard, it's painful, and it is so necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, now um, we call it different things. I call it body compass and intuition, first right mind, inner compass, mm-hmm. spiritual mm-hmm. GPS, whatever you call it. That is now my guiding light. Mm-hmm. And, you know, regardless of where you are in a faith practice, if you may not have one, I do. So my, you know, mine mm-hmm. connects directly to my faith practice and my relationship with God. And, and so that is always going to be, I don't care if I've agreed to take a trip or do something or whatever, but in the moment I get this, this inner leading like, mm, this is not right. I will, I will bow out. You know, I I was talking to a girlfriend yesterday about getting in, signing up for something or getting involved. And I said, the one thing that I always know, if I say yes, I'm not a flighty person. So I think through things before I say yes. And I, and I do honor commitments. If it's something though, that I'm involved in and, you know, I'm just like, "Mm, this really isn't for me. I will quit. I love Beyonce's song, Freedom. Because, mm. you know, she says a winner doesn't quit on herself. On herself. We yeah. may quit things. We may quit mm-hmm. relationships. We may quit memberships. We may quit things outside of us, but never quit on yourself. And that's what that, mm. that, that taught me. Mm-hmm. I just want to pause there for a second, because that is not a message that we get very often. I know. Right? We are not 
taught how to not quit on ourselves. We're actually rewarded. Uh, yes, that. you know, and, and who came up with that? Some white man uh, a thousand years ago. So it's connected to, to some kind of war related thing, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> some antigonist, exactly. Yep. And now we just, we just have this thing, never quit, never mm -hmm. quit. Right, but on yourself, never quit exactly. on yourself. Right? And why don't we have relationships where we actually want to make sure our partner doesn't quit on themselves? Right. right? Why don't we actually teach or in our relationship say, we're going to be in this for each other's growth, right? Yes. So that you yes. don't quit on you and I don't quit on me. And if one of those things is ever in conflict, we got to shift something. I don't exactly. feel like we're too graspy. Yes. And you know, I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I remarried and the husband I have now, I, uh, you know, he is that I, you know, he, you know, when I, when I was, you know, I ended up quitting corporate and all of that. And, and, uh, I ended up becoming a life coach and he didn't understand that. He's like, you're retired. Why are you working? <laughs> so he didn't get that. And, and so at first I had to go in and, and mm -hmm. stay true to me. And mm -hmm. I had to talk about it with other people because he didn't get it. But right. after seeing my commitment to it and, and all that I was doing and the impact that I was having, now he's, you know, he is team Renee, like, you know, so, and he, <laughs> and he you know, like he is so, cause he had a long glorious career that he loved. And now he's like, I just want to wake up and do whatever I want to do. But if you want to do that, yeah. you know, so he, what can I do to help you? And so, That's great. Uh, yeah. And so that is, that is true to be connected to people in your life that whether they, they don't have to understand what you're doing. They just, they just need to understand your passion for it and they can support the passion without getting the thing. Right. Exactly. You don't have to be as passionate about it right. as them. Exactly. So tell me, you know, now you're, just past 60, right? This was almost 20 years ago, 15 years yeah. ago. What do you wish you had known when you were 20? You know, my favorite version of that question is what do I want my 99 year old self to look back on? Mm -hmm. you know, the thing about the, the 20 year old question is I can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And I can say that everything I went through, I probably needed to go through. Now, my mom used to say, <laughs> my mom used to say to me, you just have to do everything the hard way, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, I guess I could say to the 20 year old, just make it easier. But you know, I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if I would have, I, you know, right. I just, I right. think my personality, you know, sometimes I'm a, I'm a long curve in some things. Uh, and the only thing, I mean, yeah, there are some things that I wish I, you know, probably would have done differently, save more money, uh, you know, trust myself more, mm. but, you know, I think the, you know, the reason that I trust myself so much now is that I went through so many years of not mm -hmm. that, you know, that now it is cemented, like you don't. You know, you, yep. you truly don't need 
to go outside of yourself. You know, the, the, yeah. So my marriage ended when my marriage ended, I, um, then found a renewed appreciation for my corporate job that I was also ready to leave, but mm. I needed to support myself. Support yourself. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing about that is when it's time to leave something, you may struggle along on fumes, but eventually the piper has to be paid. Yeah. And of, you know, so probably four or five years after uh, my marriage ended um, in, you know, my marriage ended in 2006. My mom died unexpectedly in 2011. Mm. She died of a pulmonary embolism. I talked to her twice the day before and good conversations with her. And the next morning we got a call that she had fallen and gone to the hospital. And she lived about 70 miles away from where I am. So me and my sister drove down there, you know, with my husband and he drove us down there. We were just bopping along, having a good conversation, not thinking that Mm -hmm. anything was going to be wrong. And we got there and found out that she had died. So that was just the shock of all shocks. My mother was a vibrant, beautiful woman at mm-hmm. 74. Just people would never believe how old right. she was. She was just wonderful. And so that going through that process of grieving um, her death, the lesson I got from that was, because I, you know, we say life is short. I used to say life is short. Now mm-hmm. I say life is arbitrary. Hmm. Same life more. is arbitrary that people live, people die. It doesn't always make sense. The people that you think will You're be right. taken are still oh, here. Like, and so my, my example of my favorite example of that is the Rolling Stones. Oh, for the love of God, they are still alive. And <laughs> rocking out and they look like death warmed over every one so of them. <laughs> the unhealthiest people yeah, you know, can imagine. Exactly. <laughs> What, how are they still here? Now, I don't want them to die. I'm just no, saying. I love them. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying. It does how? not make sense that they are still right. here. Right. So and my, that, my sister-in-law passed, passed away at 38 years old suddenly. Oh, see? Right? Yes. 38. Yep. You're right. It's arbitrary. So what are we so, going to do with that? You know yes. that in your bones. So what do we do with yeah, that? Yeah, so that, that was, for me, that was like, okay, stop wasting mm-hmm. time. Do what you want to do. If you can do it, do it. And so mm-hmm. that was when I started paying attention to still being in this job that I thought I needed to hang on to. I was 53, two years away from official retirement. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I can't do it. I have to go. And I had been, yeah, I had been talking to my financial planner the past couple of years and he kept saying, oh, it's too soon, too early. You don't need to go. And when I, when I got that revelation, cause I had been tracking myself every day, like, what do I like about this job? What do I hate? I had two columns and the same thing as in my marriage, this had been a great career, mm-hmm, wonderful career, mm-hmm. but then it wasn't, right. then it became heavy and, and, and just taxing. And so the list of what I didn't like was way longer than what I liked. And I went to that financial planner just all ready to fight. Like, I don't care what he says. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I went in there. I said, you know, I'm really ready to go. Can I go? And he's like, oh, yeah, you can go. Awesome. 
And yep. so I, yeah, I turned in my resignation. People were like, you can't stay two more years. No, I can't because mm-hmm. that lesson of time for me was that. Right. Cause you would have tied yourself to that desk metaphorically for two more years, not really living the life that you wanted to live. Exactly. And I already had the history of having had a stress stroke is what I call it. So, you know, I was like, why would I do this to myself? Right. So what's on the other side of that? So you, you listened to your body. You said yes to now, right? You weren't foolish, right? It's like you had some, some plan. Yeah, I'll take calculated risk. Yeah. Calculated <laughs> risk. What, what was on the other side of that leap for you? Nothing Sunday. I didn't know what I was going to do after that. So I didn't plan it out that far. I just planned that I would be able to take care of myself, yeah. but I didn't know what I was going to do. It was just, it was just this thing of escape. Were you okay with that? Like that would scare the living daylights (laughs) out of me. Like I like to know. (laughs) No, yeah, and I'm a like to know person too. But I, I, I just trusted that what was next would appear. Wow. And so that first year, I had gotten involved in a local museum and and gotten in this art um, uh, group. And that first year, I traveled to art exhibits around the country, just having a good old time. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually people kept contacting me because I was a, I was an, uh, a coach internally in the company. Yeah. Uh, I was a manager of management development. I did the management training, the soft skills training, all of that. So did a lot of coaching. And so when I left, people stepped, kept contacting me. And mm-hmm. I had had this nudge to enroll in a life coaching certification. And mm-hmm. so when people started contacting me, a year after I left, I was like, okay, let me, let me just see what happens. I didn't even do the certification to start a business. I just did it to see what would happen. And -hmm. in the midst of it, I started a business. Even a year after that, I wasn't serious about it. And I had this come to Jesus moment, like, is this going to be a hobby or or are you going to get real? And that's how I ended up at Susan Hyatt's Clear Coaches Weekend. And that's when I got serious about uh, so good. So, and so I'm so grateful you did that because now you're impacting so many more people and touching so many more lives. So I want to go back and sort of recap some of the things here. When this whole project, I'm calling it the wisdom fusion project, this intergenerational conversations and learning all came to me one night when I was sitting around the table with two girlfriends. One is a little younger than me and another is older than me. And I was joking with them. And I said, when I, (laughs) I was like, when I was 20, now that I'm 40, I'm kind of like, I think all the 40 year olds were lying to me. Like, (laughs) were they they keeping a secret? Because I feel now that I'm 40 and I look up and I watch what's happening in women's lives, left, right, and center as a coach, as a friend, as a sister, all of that. I'm like, why didn't they tell us this? You know? (laughs) That is so true. Cause I didn't know about menopause. When I tell you menopause blindsided me. Yes. Because only all you hear is, is hot flashes. It's 13 years long. I didn't <laughs> find that out until last year. I thought it was a year. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't no. even have the hot flashes. I had emotional <laughs> flashes. <laughs> right. So here's the thing. So I was joking with my friend. I'm like, they were lying to us. Why were all the 40 year olds keeping these secrets? Right. And this was a joke. My thing is that 
I am known for getting, I get so sick of bitching about something until I create it myself. <laughs> so I was like, we need to talk yes. to each other more. I know we used to, you know, millennia ago, centuries ago, other areas of the world. Yes. Why aren't we doing that now? Because if this woman that I was talking to, she's now on the other side of menopause and now her husband and her at home and he's not working. And now she's has him at home all day yeah, long. Yeah, 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 and yeah. she's like, I wish I had a woman I could talk to yeah. who has been through this. Right. So what are some of the things with hindsight? What are some of the narratives that you've deconstructed that those, these lies that I mm, was suspecting the mm -hmm, 40 year olds were mm -hmm, hiding from us? Yeah. What were some of the narratives or truths that you think you've discovered or dismantled during the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years? Yes. You know, um, we, you know, we touched on it earlier, this thing about being selfish, mm -hmm. this thing about not prioritizing yourself. And I've had, I, ha I have girlfriends who are younger than me who will start having these feelings and nudges and frustrations and they'll go to the GYN and they'll say, oh no, you're not in menopause yet mm -hmm. because you're still having cycles and blah, blah, blah. And I am here to say, when you start feeling a shift emotionally, pay attention. Mm-hmm. By the biological aspect of menopause may not have caught up yet, but you are that, that perimenopause, mm -hmm. you know, it's not only biological. You're asking that, that question of when is it my time? Mm -hmm. If you have children, they're getting older and, you know, you're, you're wanting, to, you're feeling a little distant, not that you love your children, but okay. Uh, take care of yourself a little bit more, you know? Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is you don't have to end up divorced or, you know, throw out everything, but the re renegotiation, mm -hmm. you know, you, it, it is a time to start taking self-honoring stances to drawing, mm -hmm. to start to drawing, draw boundaries that are supportive of who you mm -hmm. are becoming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. We never promised that we wouldn't change. Right. And if we don't change, we're dead. <laughs> you know, the walking dead. Yes. You know? <laughs> right. Totally. And I see a lot of women yeah. who are the walking dead. Oh, totally. I know the way that they look in their eyes, right? Yes. There's like a vacancy in the eyes. Yes. Quick, funny story. So when I was going to church, um, and I, I haven't gone to church, a physical church in a long time, but when I was going and they would do the, the thing where they would uh, say, we're celebrating the anniversary of, and they would have this couple stand up. And I told my, I told my girlfriends, I was like, <laughs> look at the woman. When everybody's clapping and ah, I said, you'll see the man is smiling. Look at the woman, <laughs> look at her. <laughs> that's gonna tell you the truth of this anniversary <laughs> she brought a flask to the service <laughs> <laughs> oh man we have so much undoing <laughs> right like so i want if i'm sort of taking in what you've said thank you for sharing all of this wisdom um, cause it's been hard earned. I know it has. <laughs> I love your mission. I love this so much. It is, it is just mm -hmm. so necessary and needed. 
Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm going to take this in and I want people to sort of sit with this, this idea of not giving up on yourself, not quitting on yourself, resisting feeling selfish when you're changing and your needs are changing. I'm also hearing the wisdom of when you're feeling that instead of denying it or suppressing it, invite a renegotiation. Yes. Right. And that might not be threatening. It might be the best thing you ever did. Exactly. 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 And I will also add, celebrate yourself, Mm. celebrate yourself. You know, I will be 62 in August. Uh, When I turned 60, I planned my own celebration. I took 12 girlfriends. We went to France and Morocco. I surprised them with a a second line, which is a New Orleans um, celebration where you have musicians lead the line. They're the first line and we're the second line dancing behind them. We danced, across, I hired a band in, in, in Paris and we danced across the Seine River mm. and it was fantabulous. I celebrated mm-hmm. myself and I celebrated life. I celebrated my friendships. I celebrated that you know, nothing is promised to us. And so, you know, in the time that we have, we really do need to live life at our best. And Mm -hmm. that's work. That's daily work to do that. Yep. And it's deep internal work. And we're not going to get permission from anybody else. Exactly. We've got to give that permission to ourselves. Yep. Absolutely it's, we, it rolls off easy from the tongue, but I understand how hard that is and how courageous that is. So thank Mm. you. And in, in showing up for yourself, you show up for others. I tell women all the time, this thing about being selfish, every woman that I know that is tapping into what they're passionate about, it always benefits others. It always brings others with them. Yep. Totally. Totally. I always say it's selfish is so far away. You are in selfless or yes. self-sacrifice. Yes. Selfish is so far away. If you ran a hundred miles toward it, you would land at self-care. Exactly. <laughs> you, are, you are not toward selfish. Um, wow. So I, I want you to know um, what an inspiration you are, because when I, when I read some of the things that you shared around this, this health crisis, the choice that you made around your divorce, the loss of your mother, how you have uh, continued to process that, the, the courage to leave corporate. And now what I, where, this is where the inspiration is, is like, look at how on fire you are now. Look at the joy in your life now. Look at whose lives you're impacting. And that gives me so much inspiration because those moments of hardship and challenge doesn't mean it's going to stay on the other side, right? I'm guessing is even more beautiful than- Absolutely. What was before. Absolutely. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. I, without putting you under pressure to come up with something, you know, really clever, I'm just curious if there's any last words you'd like to leave um, to me or to I'll our just, I'll just leave everyone with my mantra. Let your shit go. Let your shit go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so live good. that life you've been craving yeah. and do that now. Mm-hmm. That's right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sunday. This was wonderful. 
This conversation with Renee leaves me feeling inspired, hopeful for every woman out there who's going through some mind-bending challenge. Her life at 60 plus is a testament to what is possible. It's a beacon of hope of what happens when you stay committed to not quitting on yourself. Now, Renee is amazing, and you can see that in the interview. So if you want to find out more about her, you can find her at careertriagehq.com or check out her book, Take the Trip, Four Journeys Every Midlife Woman Needs to Live in Purpose and Freedom. And I promise I'll share that with you in the show notes. So again, Renee, just another shout out to you. My heartfelt thank you to you for sharing your time and wisdom with me and with our listeners. If you want more of this, stay tuned because next week we dive in deep with another amazing woman and get to learn from her hard-earned wisdom. This is all part of something much bigger, what I'm calling the Wisdom Fusion Project. In June, my business celebrates its eighth business birthday. And so I can celebrate. I'm offering a gift to my community and it's like a gift to myself. This is an intimate and invitation only six week intergenerational learning experience among women. You can learn more by going to the link. Wisdom Fusion is in the show notes. There is no cost because again, this is my gift for my eighth business birthday, but spots are limited. So apply if you feel called. It is certain to be transformative. You'll discover new facets of yourself, learn from other women's hard-earned wisdom, share your journey and support others who just might need it, discover you're not alone in your challenges, become part of an intergenerational community of women to call upon in the future for support, and redefine womanhood on your own terms. You are invited. So if this resonates, check it out or share it with the women that you love. We're talking women of all ages from 20 to 70 plus are invited to apply. They are encouraged to apply. You've been listening to a very special episode of this series, part of Expat Happy Hour with me, Sunday Shander Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the wisdom of E.E. Cummings. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. Um. <laughs>